Okay, I thought I would continue on with how to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and address another key point in doing just that, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the key point today is going to be attitude. Your attitude. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And I think some people would say, well, what has my attitude got to do with following the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Believe me, attitude has everything to do with following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Your attitude determines which spirit you will naturally follow. Okay. If your attitude is bad, you will naturally follow one spirit. If your attitude is good, you will follow another spirit. Now, now, now get this. Don't let this slip by you. I, I'm putting heavy emphasis on your attitude when it comes to following the leadership of your Holy Spirit. And we wake up every day with, you know, sometimes a, you know, sometimes I, I wake up in a bad attitude. I really don't know why, but it's just, uh, you know, maybe it's emotions and maybe it's something the way I'm feeling. I've got a bad attitude. Well, your attitude will determine which spirit you're going to follow. So don't overlook, don't overlook, you know, how important your attitude, and you can, believe it or not, you can change your attitude. You know, it's like the movie, I'm always quoting Rigoletto, where he says, change the way you feel. That you have that ability when you're feeling rotten, you can change the way you feel. Now, again, there are two deeply religious spirits in the world. One represents good, the other represents evil. The one spirit is a positive spirit, the other spirit is very negative. One is about love, the other is about hate. One that requires faith to access, one spirit. The other requires unbelief, negativism to access. And, you know, we, we sort of overlook this, and I think a lot of religious people overlook this, that in Isaiah 14, and verse 12, speaking of Lucifer, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set upon the mount of the congregations in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And here's what a lot of religious people overlook. I will be like the Most High. Not totally opposite. You know, so many people just, just think of, of you know, the Satan as this thing, you know, this this. You know, Hollywood has a portrayal of evil and, and Satan and satanic powers that is totally screwed up, totally misrepresent, misrepresents what he's really about. He has managed, Satan has managed to conceal his identity. Now think about that one. Totally managed to conceal his identity. He comes about, the scripture tells us, as an angel of light. Where do you find Satan? Let me tell you where you find him, in church. 
<laughs> you will find at least his deception. Every, nearly every time. You know, if you've got a good church going on, he's going to say, I'm going to mess that up big time. I'm going to send somebody there that's just going to wreck that church. <laughs> Two deeply religious spirit beings. Both have a day of worship. Both have holidays. Both have a kingdom. Both have a will. Both have a destination you will reach. Your attitude determines which spirit you will follow. Again, two deeply religious spirits in the world. One good, one evil, one positive, one negative. One of love, one of hate. One that requires faith to access. The other requires unbelief to access. Attitude is everything. Your attitude when it comes to following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to look at Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. Deuteronomy 18 and 8 and verse 10. 8 and verse 10. I'm going to get into your attitude on a daily basis. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given thee. You shall bless. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. You shall bless. How do we bless? You know, we could go through a list of how we bless the Lord. And, but I want to tell you how you bless the Lord. With your attitude. Your attitude is either blessing the Lord or it's not blessing the Lord. Now, how many times have you been in a bad attitude throughout your life? unwarranted also. I mean, it just, I didn't have no excuse for being in a bad attitude. I was just in a bad attitude. I mean, how many times? And I really got to thinking about this as I evaluated my own life. How many times have I been in a bad attitude? For really no, no good reason. I've been in a bad attitude. In my, I was in a bad attitude probably in my teens, in my 20s, 30s, 40s, you know. I mean, there's periods of time I have been in a bad attitude. And it really... It, it, it came home to me, we were visiting Gettysburg, and, uh, you know, the middle of the Civil Wars when that took place, 1863, it was what was referred to as the high water mark when the Union finally began to get the victory over the South. Before then, they had sort of been defeated on a lot of fronts there. But Gettysburg, okay, 1863... There's a place called the Wheat Fields. And uh, the soldiers of the North and the South went back and forth five times. One would conquer, the other would lose, the other would conquer, the other across that wheat field. And they said that by the time that end of the day, when that war that was over, that you could hardly walk across that field without stepping on dead soldiers. And, you know... You have, you look, well, I looked at the doctor's bag they had, and it had a handsaw in it. <laughs> and the amputations, you know, they, they would give them painkillers, but often they would run out of that, and they would give them a bullet to bite down on as they cut the leg off. And they didn't know a lot about uh, sterile, being st sterilization back then, uh, and, and 
they would take the same instrument, the same saw, the same scalpel, and, and cut and, and just pick it up and use it again. And what a lot of them, if they survived the amputation, they would then, infection would set in and they would die from that. And, and you know, I was just looking at this and, and I'm thinking, man, if I lived back then, I'd have a bad attitude. Uh, uh, <laughs> you couldn't. Uh, and, 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 but I was looking, thinking about the life they lived compared to mine. You know. And what was interesting is, you know, that was 1863. A hundred years later, I came into the world. Well, actually 99 years later in 1962. You know, we look at history as way back and it's, it's really not. It's just, and how things have escalated over a short period of time. You know, and, and okay, that was 1863 in Gettysburg. And then 1877, a German engineer built a four-cycle combustible engine. And then in 1908, Buick had a hand crank T model. And then, you know, you had the Roaring Twenties. That was a period of economic prosperity. And then you had the Fifties. Lost in the Fifties tonight. It's a song by Ronnie Millsap. But you, you ever think about how it, maybe you would like to go back and live in a certain time period? You know, <laughs> I do that all the time, you know. And, uh, and then on September 12th, 1962, when I was born... Kennedy said, we choose to go to the moon, President Kennedy. Of course, some people say that was a fake also, that it, that it, it never went to the moon. I, I've got a guy that, that he, uh, I think he likes my program, but he hates the introduction. Because, you know, it's like, okay, it's about the program, it's not about the introduction. You know, I, I put this spinning earth that's coming on, and he says, that's, that's hogwash. The earth is flat. The Bible talks about four corners of the earth. And, and he just, it upsets him, my introduction. And I just feel like saying, why don't you listen to the message? Uh, that's, I think that's the reason I'm doing this, is that what I'm trying to point, you know, the points I'm trying to prove. It's, it's not about the introduction. But, um, but I look at this period of time, and, and I think, man, when I was, you know, I have been born into prosperity, you think about modern medicine, space travel, air travel. I've never served in a war. My father served in Germany, Germany in, in, in World War II, but I've never been drafted. I've never fought. Man, I have been born into some great times here. I mean, it's never been a better time to be alive than, than my, you know, whatever you want to call that, the baby boomer, the, 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 the generation that I live in. And I think about during all this good time that I have lived, I have often had been in a bad attitude. <laughs> and I think, well, why? Why have I? And I come back. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given thee. I mean, how hard is it for me to do this, just to be and to stay in a good attitude? Now, I know there, there are reasons. You can go through bad things. You can go through, you know, marital problems, a divorce. You can go through <laughs> doctor's diagnosis and, and addictions and, and, and all. The, there's things that we can have a bad attitude about. I understand that. But as I review my own life, I think 
you know, most of the stuff I've had a bad attitude about, just, just I, I should not have had a bad attitude about. I could have had a good attitude. And what spirit was I following when I had those bad attitudes? Well, I sort of know the answer to that. It's not a good spirit. So how do you know when you're not following the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Let's turn to 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. This verse tells us something about the ones that Satan attacks. And you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be attacked by the enemy. You, you, you want to keep that at bay, do you not? Well, there's a way to keep it at bay. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, you know, there is a, whatever you're going through is temporary. There's coming an, an exaltation where you're going to be lifted up. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Man, I have a hard time getting that at times. God cares for me. Cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Now why? Why do we need to do that? Be sober, be vigilant. Here it is. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now the reason I want to, and this is not a disconnect. You don't, you don't want to disconnect these scriptures here. The reason I want to cast all my cares upon God and understand that God cares for me is because if, because if I don't, that your adversary, the devil, is going to devour you. Who does the devil devour? And that word means to drink down, to gulp entirely, entirely, to swallow up. You know, you're actually, you're, you're part of him, you know, whatever. Okay, who is the devil going to devour? Those who live in fear, worry, always reasoning. You know, you're always trying to figure stuff out. You know, and this drives me crazy. I mean, when I was <laughs> diagnosed with a, a left bundle branch block with my heart, the doctor came in and he said, uh, I said, how do you spell that? I said, I want you to write that down for me. He, I said, I want to look it up on the Internet. He said, oh, no. <laughs> he, said, uh, he said, okay, I'll write it down. And, uh, but he said, let me tell you something. There's not a thing you can do about this. You don't fix it. It's just an irregular heartbeat. People live with it all the time. And that, what he told me, was in, in a way, there's nothing I could do. If he had told me it was something I could have done about it, I would have spent the rest of my life on the internet <laughs> trying to figure it out. And it was almost liberating that he said, there's not a thing you can do about this. I came home that evening, got me some beer, Sit on the deck, and I said, there's not a thing I can do about this, Tracy. <laughs> and just enjoyed myself. <laughs> you know, your mind, the reasoning of just trying, oh, just, just trying to figure it out, figure it out, and I, you know, it can drive you, it's, it, it leads to torment, where your mind is tormented, day in and day out. There's three things that cause us torment, worry, Anxiety and reasoning. You're just trying to, you know, the tormented mind. And, and, and worry means to torment yourself. Why would anybody want to torment themselves? You know, but we do. And we're good at it. 
You know, worry means to torment yourself. And I, I remember telling Teresa at a period of my life, I said, I just feel like I'm tormented. And I truly believe that that had, had drifted over into what spirit am I following? What spirit am I following here with this torment? Who, who, Satan loves it when we torment ourselves. You don't have to do his work for it. I mean, you're doing it yourself. You know, you're, you're, you're doing his job, you know, for him. Someone said, if you think too much, you will create problems that were never there to start with. Boy, was I good at creating problems that were never there to start with. <laughs> the tormented mind. Job 3 and verse 25, you don't have to turn there. But for, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. We create these things for ourselves often. These, these scenarios. I mean, here's Job saying, you know, the thing that I feared has come upon me. Someone else said, when you worry, you use your imagination to create something that you do not want. Man, how true it is. When you worry, you use, and I, I'm a very creative, I have a very creative mind. I can build things in my mind and, and, and build it and build it, and when I do the project, I don't run into any obstacles because I've, I've, I've went through every problem that I could come up with against. So I'm a very creative mind. And I was good at this, creating something that you do not want when you worry. Where's this going? And where's this, where, where could this lead to? And maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Reasons not to worry. Number one, it's totally useless. That's a good reason not to worry. It's totally useless, you know. <laughs> Why am I worrying? It's totally useless. <laughs> it never changes it, you know. Uh, now this one, I, I can really relate to this one. Worry is more stressful than a full day's work. I've lived that life. Worry is more stressful than a full day's work. Um, I saw this on, on a flyer that... Uh, Stacy had, and I think I've heard this from uh, other people also. But I wish I could spell it out. It needs to be spelled out. But worry is dis-ease, but it can create disease. <laughs> the same word. Worry is dis-ease. What are you diseased about? And it creates disease. I guarantee you that's true. I guarantee you that's true. It will create things in your body that you don't want. Worry is dis-ease, but it can create disease. Worry steals our joy. Worry is the opposite of trusting God. There's a reason, Teresa put on the refrigerator door, when you choose to worry, you are choosing not to, to trust God. I like this. Blessed is the person who is too busy to worry in the day, in the daytime, and too tired to worry at night. You know, one of the good keys for worrying is just work your butts off. You know, just, just get out there. And if, you're, if that's all you're going to do, just sit around and worry. Just exhaust yourself working. Where you just come home at the end of the day and you just fall down in the bed. Teresa tells me no one can go, as, go to sleep as quickly as I can. I mean, it's no, it's, she don't even bother talking to me because it ain't going to do it. It don't matter if she's talking to me when I'm, 
I mean, in, in three or four minutes, I'm, I'm snoring. Seconds. Seconds. Man. But, uh, you know, blessed is the person who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too tired to worry at night. You know, so a lot of people have too much time on their hands. They just got too much time to think about things. I mean, you know, just thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. Well, there's a remedy for that. Six days shall you labor. That's the remedy right there. <laughs> Six days shall you labor. <laughs> you know, I, I'm convinced a lot, of, a lot of us would be just healthier if you just got busy. Just, just busy, busy, busy. You know, physical work, yes, absolutely. I cannot do, I've got a nice study and I do a lot of evangelistic work behind a computer. But I'm telling you, it, it can quickly drive me crazy. Because I'm not a sit-down-behind-a-desk person. I mean, as soon as the sun comes up, and I know it's like work, it, 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 the sun comes up, and it's a warmth in the air, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go crazy. I think i got to get outside. I, I cannot stand this. You know, just a lot of the stuff I do, I can't stand. Uh, <laughs> It's a discipline to sit there and edit something for three hours. Oh, it just drives me crazy when I could be outside doing something. Well, that might work, but I can't see the screen. I've tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't focus so much on your problem. Your problem is not nearly as important as how you act when you're going through it, your attitude when you're going through the problem. Your attitude when going through the valleys. Okay. Um, I'm going through this problem and the problem is not even the issue. The real issue is how I respond to the problem. And that may be actually what God is trying to get across, the test or whatever. How, how will you respond to this problem that you're going through, your attitude. That may be the thing God is, is really after. Uh, all the bad things, or the things I perceive as bad, that come into my life, could be just a test of my attitude. Just a test of my attitude. I'll never forget, I, I, I was listening to a, a message one time, and, and this guy had this theory and I don't know how he did it, but he, he's everything that came into his life, bad, he would say, this is good. <laughs> this is good. And I thought, man, that takes some faith right there. This is good. Everything that came into his life. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 12, it says this. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you. Don't think it's a strange thing. The fiery trials. You know, we think it's strange, don't we? <laughs> I should not be going through this. He says, don't, don't think this is a big deal. Okay? As though some strange thing has hap happened to you. It's not bad. It's really good. But rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, for a long time, I looked at this verse, and, and I'm not saying the way I looked at it was wrong, 
But I sort of looked at it, okay, well, when his glory shall be revealed. In other words, I'm going to have to bear up under this until Christ returns. You know, I'm just going to have to put up with this thing until, you know, and I'm just going to have to live this miserable existence until Christ returns. And when his glory is revealed, then I'll get some relief or whatever. But here's the thing. If your suffering has no meaning, your life doesn't make any sense, does it? You have no equilibrium. You have no peace of mind. If, if what you're going through has no meaning, then, then yeah, that's bad. But this verse says you're going to be glad with exceeding joy. Now how? In other words, whatever you are suffering through, God reveals, this is another maybe interpretation of this verse, God reveals his glory to you that you can make sense of it. And the outcome of that, understanding what you're going through, there's exceeding joy and happiness. In other words, uh, this is something you can have in the now. Uh, you don't have to wait to Christ to return. I think this is, this is how Paul was able to say, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, he knew why he had the infirmity, the thorn in the flesh. It was actually to humble him, himself, to be humble. Because, I mean, he had been carried away and seen visions of God and been with God. And so he, so, but, but when your suffering makes sense, when the pieces of the puzzle come together, you can handle it. That's what I'm saying. Or at least handle it better. Let not your heart be troubled. Words of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. Three things that causes torment. Worry, anxiety, reasoning, the troubled mind. Troubled mind. What describes you? Do you have peace of mind on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, I know we can all, we, we all go through things. But what are you seeking? What spirit are you, what spirit is, you know, there's one spirit that's going to help you achieve that peace of mind. There's another spirit that you can follow that will just, with a torment, torment that will drive you crazy. You can, and it has to do with attitude. What attitude do I have? For God has not given us, this is 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is what his spirit gives us. So where is the fear, the, the worry, the anxiety, the troubled mind coming from? It's not coming from God. It's coming from another spirit. What spirit am I following, is the question. And I, you know, I'll go back to that verse I, I mentioned earlier. Casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Because, the reason you want to do this, is because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. And you don't want to be devoured. To drink down, to gulp entirely, to swallow up. We've allowed, I think, the dark side to consume us from time to time by our, what I would call, stinking thinking. You know, we just, we just don't think right. And it has everything to do with attitude. You know, I mentioned a few, few Sabbaths ago 
that concept, and I think y'all watched that video, but you know, that it was a powerful concept of what voice are you listening to? You know, who told you you were naked? And, and the voices that come to us, and, and why am I telling myself, you know, I can't do this? And why am I, you know, I'm no good, or I can't achieve this? Who told you, you know, who, who, what voice are you listening to on a daily basis? William Backus in his book, Truth Talk, Talks, says the average person set tells himself 200 lies a day. I mean, think about that. That's a lot of lies to tell yourself every day. I'm no good. You know, I'm too skinny. I'm too big. I'm too this. You know, 200 lies a day. What are we telling ourselves every single day? And I, I think we need to get to a point where we, when we realize those lies, when we realize the spirit that we may, may be following, is to, to rebuke it and say, look, you have no place in my life. When you identify where it's coming, you don't have a place in my life. And to be able to rebuke that. So I want to conclude by giving you a measuring stick for spiritual growth. It's found in 1 John 4 and verse 18. A measuring stick for spiritual growth. 1 John 4 and verse 18. Boy, when I woke up to this verse, I thought, man, I need to get with the plan here. I need to get on God's, you know, God's side of this issue. 1 John 4 and verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. Oh boy, does it ever. Does it ever. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. What we fear reveals our, our spiritual growth. Now, I know there are legitimate fears. There are mature, mature fears that, that, you know, I don't do the stupid things that I did at 18, like jumping stuff on my motorcycle. I don't do that now because I've reached a maturity level. And, and uh, I fear maybe up, working up too high now on scaffold. And, and that's I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about legitimate fears. I'm talking about the fears of a worried mind that leads to torment. The fears of a worried mind that leads to torment. Now you might ask, well, what's the connection with love here? Because it is, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Well, here's the connection. It's hard to love someone that you cannot trust. And the being I'm talking about trusting is God. And I, you know, I had to realize, I mean, this is, this is a real issue with me. You know? This, this love is not made perfect. One more verse. And we will leave it at that. Psalms 55 and verse 22. Psalms 55 and verse 22. Psalms 55 and verse 22. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Man, that's good news. Cast everything upon God, and he will lift you up. He will sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. So following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, here's the, here's the, here's the point. Make sure you're on the right side of the fence when it comes to following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Your attitude will determine which spirit 
you are following.